0: the knowledge that this won't last forever that this might feel a bit crazy you know this mood happening like i had never seen before but it's this is not going to be the new normal forever it's these are symptoms of transition start with
1: progesterone and nutritional detoxification with nutritional. And I'd love to know what your protocol is for the, for a woman coming in in forties now with that hypersensitive uterus causing problems and, and with that ovarian cyst, right? So yeah. often the ovarian cyst, which leads also the hormone fluctuations to the breast cyst, tender breast, yeah. you know, and the mood disturbances we talked about, I would love to know your approach.
0: Okay. Yes. Yeah. So let's, yeah, maybe let's, let's start with mood because that's the order I did it in my book. So I'm just kind of working through the, you know, the chapters. Um, and before I even say that, I'll just make a comment that what we've just both agreed that the estrogen is not the way to go, especially in your early forties, but that is possibly the only tool in your doctor's toolbox. Like the, the doctor, this is the conversation that happens. It's like, okay, you're suffering. You're a bit young to have hormone replacement. And by that, they mean estrogen, but we can try it. And you know they give something that you know I think is just never going to work very well because often women have more estrogen than they did before anyway. So this is where these alternatives that we're talking about today are just so needed. Um, I have a so with regard to mood and sleep, I have what I call a rescue prescription, which is progesterone, um, combined with magnesium and the amino acid taurine, both of which support something called GABA in the brain, which GABA is our soothing kind of natural valium neurotransmitter in the brain. And um, we need more of that. And progesterone supports GABA as well. So that can work within hours, within days, women can start to feel a bit better. And then I would look at also some adaptogen herbs. I know you use maca a lot. There's there's that one. There's um, ashwagandha, some of those other nice, soothing herbs to stabilize the what's called the adrenal axis, the communication between the brain and the adrenal glands that, that destabilizes during perimenopause because I think primarily because of the loss of progesterone, which has a, a natural stabilizing effect on that part of our hormonal system. So I find, you know, every woman gets usually those certainly the magnesium and taurine, and then usually some progesterone early on. Um, and then I might, you know, start to look at other factors like, of course, self-care, you know, making, maybe cutting back on work a little bit and a meditation practice. And also the, the knowledge that this won't last forever, that this might feel a bit crazy, you know, this mood happening like I had never seen before, but it's, this is not going to be the new normal forever. It's just during the years leading up to period stopping and then things tend to settle down. Anyways, I find a lot of women feel quite empowered by that. Just knowing that it's these are symptoms of transition. Yes. It's not not symptoms of just being old, and this is how it's always going to be now. Again, with the, yes, with the well fed. To teenagers, Yeah, the analogies to teenagers—you when they get start to feel their hormones changing—you don't think, oh, this is the new how you're always going to be for the rest of your life.
1: Right. Take a breather. Be kind to yourself. Get the rest you need. Nutrition, outside exercise. We'll tell our kids, right?
0: Yeah. We need
1: to do the same thing, especially during this really delicate, somehow volatile feeling time period. (laughs) Yeah. I agree with that recommendation. Magnesium is so huge, Lara. So I'm glad you mentioned that you know for our listeners too that so magnesium is so empowering because we know that it's involved in over 200 catalytic reactions in our body and yes. just has so many benefits and our soil is magnesium deficient so we're just not getting enough so too it, it is one of the my it's one of my bedtime capsules that I do and as well as my Epsom salt baths and my magnesium spray and my magnesium (laughs) capsules. I'm like, I need that magnesium.
0: you know what else magnesium helps with? You mentioned it earlier, but insulin. So in our forties is also where we're all of us, you know, at greater risk of insulin resistance, which is the pre-diabetic condition, which is very important. And actually if that's part of the picture of what's happening, that this is a good time to try to get on top of that with, um, I would say cutting sugar from the diet, taking magnesium, eating, being fully nourished with healthy meals, getting some exercise, that stabilizing insulin can also improve mood and help stabilize the female hormonal system as well. There's so much interplay between the different Yes.
1: And as we said, getting regular meals, that means meals without snacking. so Let's cut out the snacks because we don't need them. We don't need to eat between meals and that creates insulin resistance. And we want the opposite. We want insulin sensitivity. So we talk about nourishing our body. Let's just leave out the snacks. Yeah,
0: I agree with that. On the topic of mood, I was going to mention something called intolerance. Do you work with that very much with your clients? It's just come onto my radar lately as something that is commonly, I, I see it commonly kind of flaring up during our 40s. Chlorine um,
1: intolerance? No, histamine. Intolerance. Oh, histamine intolerance. Explain yes. that. That's interesting.
0: Yeah. So histamine is a, a, it's a part of the nervous system. It also has a hormonal effect. It also has a neurotransmitter effect in the brain. It's a normal part of the body. Um, it's involved in allergy, but it can also, we can have, high, if we have too high levels at other times, it can lead to anxiety. Um, P- PMS type symptoms, interfere with ovulation, rashes, mm-hmm. headaches, nasal congestion. These are the kind of menopausal allergies that a lot of women complain about. And I, I, I talk about this in my book because I think it's actually more common than I used to realize. And it, it, there's an interaction with hormones because estrogen increases the release of histamine It's part of the immune system that's creating all this kind of inflammatory response. And in turn, histamine increases the release of estrogen. It becomes this feed forward with estrogen. Um, And at the same time to counterbalance that progesterone can help to clear histamine from the body. So I think um, the relief of histamine intolerance is one of the other ways that progesterone gives such relief. It's, Yes. Yeah, a, a lot of people are talking about histamine intolerance now as just an aspect. And we can, can, we can modify it with food as well. So we can be a good time to remove foods that increase the amount of histamine in the body, which I w- would be cows, dairy products, and red wine and cheeses and anything that gives a flushing or a, a headache tendency is probably a histamine food. That is a great point
1: because it's not something we think about, but many women come in complaining of, you know, rashes, skin irritation, itching, yeah. and it's all under the surface, so to speak, or, or very yeah, hidden yeah. or dry patches, and that that could be this histamine yeah. sensitivity. So yeah. you've seen improvement with adding progesterone on during
0: this time? Yeah. Well, I think, I think that... The relief of histamine intolerance is one of the reasons, not the only reason, but one of the reasons that progesterone and vitamin B6, which also helps to clear histamine, one of the reasons that those supplements work so well for PMS and perimenopausal mood symptoms and perimenopausal allergies. So it's just another simple natural treatment that, that your listeners can think about and maybe read a bit more about histamine foods. and. And look at that
1: right because for pms so b6 how much do you recommend a b6 in
0: clients I with pms and- it's called activated b6 or the p5p it's yeah like-
1: absolutely
0: yeah i don't so- go super high yeah
1: yeah, that's important. So there are different forms of B6 that are available over the counter. And so you want P5P, and that is 100% the ideal form. This way your body is not having to, I would say, raw Peter to pay Paul in that expression yeah. to uh, metabolize it into its activated form. So give it that way. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, look, I, I give like 50 milligrams, kind of 30 to 50 milligrams, sometimes more if someone has severe... EMS symptoms. Is that in the range that you would, yeah.
1: Yes, absolutely. 50 to hundred milligrams, paradoxal mm-hmm. 5-phosphate. It may also be listed that way on your um, B6 bottles yeah. so you want to get an activated form. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, I think about in our research and as gynecologists, we definitely know that B6 and calcium are two of the things that improve EMS, but let's talk about calcium is so important, but not from dairy. So, um, what are some great sources of calcium you recommend and also supplement with if you do supplement with calcium? I'm big on the dietary sources for sure.
0: Yeah, I don't supplement with a lot of calcium. I don't either. So certainly all green vegetables, you know, nuts and seeds, almonds, salmon. Sardines. Yes, yeah, sardines, the fish with bones. And, and I do, I, with my patients in my work, I do recommend many times goat or sheep dairy because it does not have, does not seem to produce the same inflammatory histamine reaction as normal cow's dairy. So interesting to see if you observe the same with your patients. It's, and it's so easy to obtain now. Some nice goat cheeses and um, sheep yogurt. Sheep yogurt was the original yogurt. So it's, you know, it's a, kind of a nice traditional food that way.
1: That is so true. I, I don't recommend dairy, but I think when people don't have dairy sensitivity, absolutely goat. Yeah. Um, sheep now camel milk are options right and there's different ways to get that for sure now i think for me it was really a big eye-opener when i finally did my food sensitivity because i knew i had a cow milk dairy sensitivity right so when i did my food sensitivity testing and it showed me you know goat sheep everything sensitive So, But then again, I was probably in a more highly reactive time, so my body was reacting to everything. So I, every once in a while I try it again, I'm still not able to. I will get a, a side effect. And some of that side effect is that histamine reaction that you talked about, mm. so
0: it, which is fascinating. Yeah, yeah, it's important. I think I wouldn't be surprised if histamine intolerance plays a role in ovarian cysts as well. This is just pure speculation, but involved, histamine is involved in ovulation signaling and i would love to see a scientist kind of dive into that and look at that a bit more i don't you know at this stage i don't have any evidence for that but i that when it when someone has recurrent ovarian cysts i would look at ways to reduce inflammation
1: well i think that's fascinating too and i think ovarian cyst i think iodine as well yes right just boosting up the iodine so i wonder if histamine is reacting with at the iodine receptor sites
0: i'd be curious about that yeah. I'm not sure. sure. Certainly iodine helps to stabilize the estrogen, the estrogen receptor. And what, yeah, you and I are on the same page, but iodine, it's great. It can be great for women's health and breast cysts as well. Painful breasts. Yes. The caution around that would be for your listeners is just to be careful with their thyroid, be careful with the dose and be careful with their thyroid.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And preferably with my own patients, I like to have a thyroid test before we give any iodine, including another test called thyroid antibodies because if that's the autoimmune reaction against the thyroid if those antibodies are high then my my approach is to be very cautious with the dose of iodine do you agree with 100%
1: that? agree 100% yeah. agree check the thyroid antibodies if you're doing any supplemental iodine you know above you know, 150 micrograms, maybe, I, you know, we would consider that if you're doing long-term 12.5 or in some cases with patients with ovarian cysts and fibrocystic breasts, I've used up to 50 milligrams of iodine in clients short-term, but I watched their thyroid yeah. antibodies. I never yeah. saw an increase, never, ever, ever saw an increase, but it was that, you know, I'm going to load you up and let's get rid of these so we don't have to operate. And lo and behold, that worked.
0: Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, in that setting, you're done under your supervision. I can yes. That, it, that would be great. But I, it worries me if, if women are out there taking 50 milligrams on their I, own. And I don't it recommend it. Not realizing what they're doing because you can buy those really high dose iodine online. Right. And, you, and there seems to be no distinction between the ones that have 150 micrograms and the one that have 50,000 micrograms. So that, right. there's a big difference. You really need to read the label of an iodine supplement.
1: Yep. But, yep. Thank you for watching this video. Be sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel here and get those notifications and comment below. Let me know your thoughts, what you loved and what your action step is.